Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany, and all without declaring Rechstein links gain. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com, and I'm joined by my co-host Simon Maddox, who is enjoying the disappearing sense of anxiety since Biden was successfully inaugurated. So, Simon, are you happy now? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy now. The world does feel like a better place suddenly. I was just watching CNN earlier. And someone referred to the president, and I still connected it to Trump, so I, I still have some recovering to do. This is absolutely clear. Trauma like that is not going to go away in a hurry, but uh, my wife and I, we moved to America right at the end of the Obama administration. Then I think we'd been there for two months when the election happened, and then mm. sort of the it was really tarnished, this dream we had, knowing that we were going to be governed over by Trump and his administration so yeah it's uh, it's a happy day indeed and yeah a, a beautiful inauguration Twitter is uh, a flutter rave reviews for uh, all manner of things from uh, Amanda Gorman's incredible poem uh, everyone was also pretty impressed by Lady Gaga's outfit when are they not impressed with her outfit it was quite a statement piece let's be honest but I mean that's kind of what you expect at least she turned up wearing like fabric as opposed to meat uh, that could have been a real moment j-lo and then garth brooks came out and um I'm, I'm a big fan of tom segura and your mom's house and they have a running theory that garth brooks is responsible for a series of murders uh, and kidnappings <laughs> so that was all i could think about uh, the whole time he was singing but yeah did, did you watch it how did you feel i thought it was great man i didn't watch it live uh, i didn't have time and then i watched it afterwards and it's you can pick the pieces apart i didn't watch it with any bbc commentary or any german commentary um at all which i think is way better because you don't have the you know you have this with the, in the royal family in britain where you, there's a lot of waiting around at these these um large events and you have some sort of whisper quiet commentator going and there is larry <laughs> behemoth he is sixth richest man in the world and you just like, i don't care i don't care right but uh, so that was good but like i was i loved the poem by amanda gorman i was just like ah oh, it's so good and then when you find out she had a speech impediment as well and you're like yeah that's so it's just it's just a the tone shift that's all that's what i loved the tone of it man like i didn't even mm. think the speech was especially like and i wouldn't mm. say it was like high on the list of like best speeches ever but i tell you what the tone of it was just it was worlds away from what we've had for the last four years so i was pretty mm. enthused by the whole the whole thing yeah i think that's that's really the, where the relief comes from just knowing that for the next four years at least there's not going to be any just wild behavior uh from the leader of the free world and that that is a a really calming thing i mean obviously we're speaking from places of immense privilege uh being british people who live in germany and i think yeah i think a lot of people would be like oh well, why well this is a podcast about germany why they're talking about america and i think you need to understand america as much to understand germany because there's so many cultural connections but yeah i just think i just think it really does have an impact had an impact when trump was elected and it's really had an impact on my yeah like sort of understanding of the world just seems a little bit more sensible now i mean I, I like the fact that in germany everyone's politics is a lot more localized and there is far more sort of regional influence than what we're used to back home um but yeah the sort of the ghost at the party is always going to be america because whatever they end up doing is going to directly affect uh our nations i mean there'll be deceit i'm sure uh governments are going to govern um but yeah the fact that there's going to be some sort of candid behavior is, is a really warm feeling inside 
Well, there is that there is that thing of the, the positive impacts of America on the world are, uh, are obvious, and also the negative impacts. And I, I don't think it's any surprise that growth of like QAnon in Germany is it's like for me is directly impacted by by the fact that Trump was president. Um, and I don't think it's very hard to draw those lines. But the, there are positives. But obviously, it's not it's not a perfect situation. But it is very similar to the British perspective of like Angela Merkel. Like when you read a British article about Angela Merkel, you'd think she was divinely sent and she was some sort of great liberal legend. And you like you forget that I think a lot of people forget and or don't realise or don't know that she's a conservative, <laughs> that she's not she's pragmatic for sure, but there's a lot of stuff that isn't isn't perfect. And I think it's the same with Biden, you know, there's there's not all gonna be um light and fantastic decisions. There's still there's still problems and and i think you mentioned that yeah i feel like with brexit being resolved not positively for you and i but it's been resolved and now with trump out of office it feels like you can start trying to move forward and i think that's the thing i feel that the shoots of optimism i'm not going to say it's like i'm fully super optimistic about the future but i'm certainly a bit optimistic that, that there was say two weeks ago so now Biden has had a few attempts to guess what Trump changed the password to on the White House Netflix account. Any guesses, Nick? Coffefe, I guess would be the obvious one. It's <laughs> uh, a good shout. We discussed my egotism a couple of weeks ago um, and, and that the, the, the I would want my name to be a storm. I have a feeling Trump probably names all his passwords, Trump123, or uh, it's probably his name. I would assume he was hacked on Twitter a few months ago, and I think that the uh, password was supposed to be MAGA twenty twenty. So yeah, we were never working with a like a genius. We were <laughs> was never with no one was ever under the assumption that this guy was some kind of great mind. So the fact that his password was MAGA twenty twenty doesn't seem that surprising. <laughs> so we talked about passwords uh, last week in an article which looked at the German born Bitcoin hypothetical millionaire it is now possible in bavaria where where i live uh to get yourself on the vaccine uh registration uh list and so yeah i was very eager to get myself in line and so i set about filling in the forms naturally in german and german only and i no word of a lie needed five attempts to set a password that they would accept I operate on a password formula. Can I guess what the problem was? Go on, guess. I, I'll give you a point for every correct answer. Uh, you need one capital letter. One point. You needed a number. Two points. You needed to have a uh, a like an exclamation mark, a piece of punctuation of some kind. Sonderzeichen is what the German is for that. I learnt last week. <laughs> All right. That's three. All right. Okay. okay, that's good. You got two more. Um, it has. Okay, oh, this is more. Um, it needs to have a certain amount of letters, eight characters. Indeed, there you go, four. And the and final it, thing it needs? Oh, does it need a certain amount of numbers? It needed a number, not a certain amount. So, yes, well done, Nick. I want to give you the oh, point. Okay. A clean sweep. Yeah. I'm, uh, a, I'm a such a geek. <laughs> <laughs> but even with an instruction telling me that this is what was required, I still fluffed my lines multiple times. And yeah, a friend of mine that evening, a friend of ours that evening called me because uh, I'd let him know that it was a possibility for him to do it and uh, his German is not quite as developed as mine. And so I helped him go through it and then I watched him <laughs> fall over all these hurdles as well uh, just to sort of gauge how bad I had been. Uh, so yeah, 
if you are in the process of registering for anything in Germany. Yeah, I, apparently, I'm the default. Uh, so, Nick, what's your system for remembering passwords? <laughs> Do you have a system? now tell us your password <laughs> i have a great system it is foolproof this system right what i do is i enter a password and i instantly forget <laughs> what that password is and then when i need to log back into anything i just click forgot password and then re-enter a new password do the thing i need to do on the website and then leave and then two weeks later follow the same process so i'm basically like auto correcting or like auto encoding all my passwords like <laughs> every time i try and enter a password like i had a, i used to have a password system i used to have like a great system that was like not certain numbers and certain letters but as time's gone on i just yeah just forget for so many bloody passwords uh but of course a lot of us we rely on uh the lighter side because it's easy to remember funny things uh so i've got a quick story uh about my friend tom tom and i go back many many years now we met in university and after uni uh, I went off to to become a teacher and Tom went off to become a civil servant and at one point he was working for one of the ministers uh, and Tom was off work one day I don't know if he was legitimately off work or if this was a sickie uh, but he got a phone call from the office and so he answered it knowing that it must have been relatively important and he heard his his boss's voice on the phone and she said to him uh, Tom, the, we need the notes that you wrote uh, for the speech this afternoon. Can you get them to us? And he's like, oh, sorry, they're on my computer and uh, I can't get them to you. Give me a few minutes and I'll have them for you. She's like, no, I need them now. I'm at your terminal. Give me your password and I can get in. Now, Tom obviously is aware of the, the rules of data protection. And so I was like reticent about it. And she just became more and more sort of fervent in this uh, request. I need your password, we need these right now. And then so Tom, knowing he had no choice but to pass over his password, uh, finally gave in and said, uh, Pooh Bum One. <laughs> what? What was that? <laughs> Pooh Bum One. D uh, sorry, Tom, I I'm not sure if I understand. Pooh Bum One. Yes, Pooh Bum One. And so that's, I imagine, the most embarrassing oh, thing that ever dear. happened to him in the civil service. Uh, so thank you, Tom, uh, for that password story. Uh, this that this is the thing I've with it, right? Is, is in Germany, routinely in a lot of companies that do these tests for social engineering. So companies will send out to their employees, like the security teams will send out fake emails and see who clicks on it and you click on the email and it goes and it's like mm -hmm. sends you to a landing page that's like you've been you've been hacked if this was a real situation yeah you've been fished right like that would be my instinct in that moment would be like ah oh, this is a test like i would mm -hmm. been i would have been like no i can't give you my password i can't give you my password like i would just would have refused i'd be like you're trying access to trick denied <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, one of those things is is like the constant need to find new passwords. Obviously, for me, constantly forgetting them, I'm constantly having to come up with new passwords that I can instantly forget uh, a minute after I've made them. There's the, obviously there's lots of lists of of passwords, and you did a bit of work on this. You found a list of uh, is it the, the the most popular passwords? It was the in top ten German passwords of 2018. Was the first place. And, I and my God, is this a like? If I was a security expert, I would be incredibly depressed. Uh, by this list <laughs> the number one password in germany in 2018 was one two three four five six like that is strong that is strong, strong. <laughs> no one's gonna guess that just in case you thought that was too too obvious they've pulled a tricky one and for number two with 
one, two, three, four, five. Ooh. Well, I mean, you only want to use five fingers at the most for a password. So that that really is the where I want to land. One, two, three, four, five. Which is kind of topped by number three, which has gone. It's gone real left field for number three. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Mm. Ah, mm-hmm. see. Would never have guessed that. They're beating that eight-digit Honestly, minimum. I'm depressed. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just depressed by that realization. But yeah, but there's some, there's some pretty, um, there's some pretty choice passwords on here. Uh, do you want to talk a bit about number four? I'm just going to go straight to it. Number four is Ficken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Ficken for the English <laughs> listeners is fuck. Uh, so yeah, this, I find this just so beautifully charming in its own way that when we think about Germany we don't think about necessarily a nation that's tons of fun or making sort of light of things and I love the idea that deep down a lot of Germans just want to say fuck uh, as the password uh, so yeah I, I, I find it really really lovely that Ficken is the fourth most common now this is possible this is of course the result of a, a poll so maybe people just phoned and said oh what's your password people said Ficken and then just hung up uh, as an act of protest to the poll makers we don't have any data on that <laughs> I just think it's hilarious that, that the top three are all variants on on uh, sequential numbers, mm-hmm. the number four is Ficken, mm-hmm. and then number five is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, it's eight. Yeah. And you're just like, what? So what I found interesting when I was researching this, also a little bit sad, is that in 2020 things have changed a little bit. We still have a number one being one, two, three, four, five, six. Number two being one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Out of ninth place into third, we have Passwort. Uh, so there's real. We can see that they're doing well now. Conditions have improved. They're working on their game. Number four, we have Hello123. Uh, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then a complete change. So we had Ficken in 2018 at fourth place. And then sixth place, Nick, tell them what they've won. <laughs> ich liebe dich. I love you. He's so cute, isn't he, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, so yeah, six is Ich liebe dich. <laughs> uh, I love you. And that is, that's, that's really nice. Maybe it's a sign that Germany's like mellowing, or maybe this is the sign that the people who had rather extreme, intense relationships in 2018 have mellowed slightly in, t- in 2020 after a couple of years, and they're, they're now in more stable relationships. I don't know. <laughs> so the honeymoon phase has ended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A reduction in Ficken, and now it's much more lovely. I, I like that theory. I think it's strong. <laughs> Bam, bam, Berlin oder Fante. Das sind die ungewöhnlichsten Berliner Vornamen 2020. Yeah, so this is from the Berliner Zeitung. My wife, who is a listener, hi, darling. <laughs> she sent me this. And it is, yeah, it's it's a selection of boys and girls' names that have been registered. A number of these names are uh, quite rare and extraordinary, as it says in the article. And there's a series of different areas of the city of Berlin and the various different girls and boys' names that have been registered in those areas. And there's some pretty out-there names. For um, Charlottenburg Wilhelmsdorf, uh, we have some girls' names. We have uh, Luana Rose. That seems quite normal. And then straight to Mercedes. Mercedes, <laughs> not Mercedes. It's M-E-R-C-E-D-I-S. Mercedes. Mercedes. Savannah Ky- Kyler. Uh, Schnee, which is Schnee. S- snow. 
Um, which Snow, I don't think, is necessarily a terrible name. But Schnee, yeah, I don't know. And and the, the, the last one I just can't pronounce. Uh, <laughs> I believe it's Soleil Vallée. 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 Vallée with that accent. Oh. I, I'm no expert on French accents. Soleil, Soleil Vallée would be my guess at that. Yeah. Uh, and then we get then we get to some solid boys' names. Do you want to do the boys' names? The first one is, it's, I love it, Fulk. F-U-L-K, so Fulk. That's great. That's German it's is so the next good. one. Yeah. It's pretty it, obvious. It gives an identity, that's for sure. I think it's a common last name in Italy, or it's, at least it's, I've seen examples of, of it as a last name in Italy. Uh, then we go to Guntram, which, yeah, pretty old school sounding. Henning Phileas, which sounds like a character from Around the World in 80 Days. Joseph Osman, hyphenated. Platon, or Platon, I don't know how that one said. Salvador, which I, I think really speaks to the internationalization of Berlin and love it. Tiela. Is my guess at that one? T J E double L E and Soraya. That's just Charlottenburg Williamstorf. There are all over the city some pretty prime ones. So Friedrichsheim Kreuzberg gives us peace and precious for a girl. Sky and soul, which is a very American approach uh, to naming babies. Mojo for the boys, which is oh. I don't like. I don't like Mojo. Nah, it's kind of you. You're asking a lot there, aren't you? <laughs> Asking a lot of that child. I, I mean, it works really well with my surname. Mojo Maddox sounds like a sort of detective who's about to get shit done. So, I, I thought Mojo Maddox would be like the monkey sidekick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what stands out for you, Lichtenberg, Nick? There's a few that I saw that were pretty, pretty intense. Um, success. Success is a girl's name. I was like, oh God, Success. again, nominative determinism being what it is. I guess if you're going to name your child, it's a <laughs> solid, solid name. For the, the boys' names, the, the two that stood out in, in Lichtenberg were uh, Princely. Good adverb. <laughs> and Tyson Dominic, I thought was hyphenated, was interesting because Tyson's quite a, a powerful name, but I don't consider... Dominic oh. feels to me like the name of the IT specialist in your... In the company you work at, like Dom, the IT specialist, yeah. So it's like Tyson, Dominic. I, it says a lot about the, our relationship with names because when I think of Dominic, I think of uh, a leader um, because the captain of our rugby team was called Dominic and he was a bit of a hero of mine. So it's always a name I've loved. Uh, I find it quite strong. And it's got sort of dominum, dominie. Like it's just got that sort of Latin yeah, prefix yeah, that makes you. me think of like ownership. Um but yeah, Tyson makes me think of Iron Mike. Um, but I mean, uh, for the Latin connection, the one before it, Tarsisius. That's a hard name to live with, I imagine, in 2020. But I think you're always going to... Uh, when we were naming our daughter, uh, we, we sort of decided if it was a boy, I would name it. And if it was a girl, my wife would name it. Oh, and interesting. So, um, we sort of... Because I had a pretty clear name of what I wanted to have if it was a boy. And, and my wife had um, a pretty clear list of 75 different names if it was a girl. <laughs> um, and, but one of the things we talked about a lot was we'd want a name that sounds the same in both English and, and German. Uh, because there's obviously slight um, accent differences. And I think a name like Tarsisius, I've got a last name that's really hard to pronounce. Like I've never, there's maybe five people in my entire life who've pronounced my last name correctly first time. And giving your kid a name like Tarsisius is basically like giving them a, a curse. A curse where anytime <laughs> they have to speak to anyone on the phone, anytime they have to say their name, they then have to go, 
uh, T-A-R-C-I-S-U-I-S. In the same way that every time I'm on the phone, oh, my wife hates it. She took my name when we got married and she blames me for the whole process. But um, you can hear her on the phone and she'll be calling some company or a insurance company or whatever. And you'll hear her say a name and then H-O-U-G-H-T-O-N. And it's the same like in a rigmarole. And I do it almost instantly. I say Houghton and they get a look and I just go H-O-U-G-H-T-O-N. And they go, oh, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think it can be a bit of a, a double-edged sword. You sound cool, but... Uh, so, we do have a few sort of more cultural events, of course, causing names. So, in Martin Hellersdorf, we have Zelda. Choice. Uh, I'm assuming ins- inspired by the computer games. In Mitter, we have God Love, which is... Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a burden. But my favourite is in Mitter, and it's Rapperin, like, as in a female rapper, like calling is, your... is that what it is it's only a single p though yeah, maybe you're right maybe you're right i don't know one of the names that stood out for me is persephone because i knew a persephone at university and i have a very negative opinion of <laughs> of the name persephone yeah it's a very it's a very it's a very rich ri- mm-hmm. rich rich girl name and uh, yeah it's bad experiences Ooh. um fuck you persephone yeah <laughs> yeah some of these names totally blow my mind um I, i'm yeah i'm just gonna go i'm just gonna run off base here and stop yeah. going through the list so million millions or million uh khaleesi khaleesi yeah. i know in germany you have you have a fondness for double barreled names so when we named my daughter uh she's got a first name and a middle name everyone just bangs them together with a with a hyphen and so they say her name like first name, middle name, as if it was a first name. But you see it a lot where people have quite sort of extreme hyphenated names. The one here was was Peyton Melody. It's a, it's a really popular name in America. I mean, this is in Pankow, so this is like Old East Berlin, so I don't know if there are different naming traditions there. For a boy, Pankow also gives us the incredible Bolowick, which really is amazing. One that's given here is Do. <laughs> it's just so, like, obscure. <laughs> Like, yeah, but I, I think it works as a name, doesn't it? It's almost a name that's a nickname, do. Yeah, but it's also a massive problem, no? Because mm. if you're having a normal conversation and want to get someone's attention, be like, hey, do, and then this poor person, do, this poor boy, apparently it's male, uh, is going to turn around every time, and go, hey, do. I mean, I'd rather have do than Lamborghini, which is what <laughs> someone got. Uh, in fact. But, but you could have Nacho. Nacho is also a name choice. And out of this shorter list, one of my favourites is Faustus. Like, you can't name your kid Faustus unless you've really read the book. Are you basically saying yeah. your child is going to sell their soul for 10 years of uh, sex, drugs and rock and roll? But yeah. this, the, the, the name that I really wanted to talk about, of all the names that are in this list, one of them is Plato. And we've talked mm-hmm. about nominative determinism just a moment ago, right? The idea that your name uh, almost uh, guide you to your preferred mm-hmm. sort of uh, life or guide you towards uh, your employment or something like that like the baker who is a baker you know but plato's not fair because you're asking a lot <laughs> of your kid you're basically saying you better become one of the greatest philosophers ever to have lived and uh, whose name rings down the centuries right there's plato and then there's you or what the hell was the point like you, you don't want to go to like go to go to work at a mcdonald's and they'll be like oh what's your name oh my name's plato and they're like you really you really didn't do as well as you'd hoped there did you you know it's sort of it's one of those names that would it's like if you called your kid einstein 
Like you better, you better hope that kid's a genius because if they're an, a total <laughs> idiot, they're gonna have a real hard time. Because that's just an insult now. Hey Einstein. Hey Einstein. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you might have misinterpreted the 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 concept of this, of his parents here, Plato. Because maybe what they had in mind for him instead was for him to emigrate to Australia and become a plate maker. Because then the Australian for anything is with an O on the end. So Milko, Posto, he can be Plato, the Plato. man that makes plates. <laughs> <It's good>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling. I have a feeling we're 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 in the, the, the in, into the reeds a little bit now, and I'm not sure how aware of. Uh, everyday australian slang the average person in berlin is um i don't know i, I <laughs> have to do imagine a if, if you drank in bars before is it the same in berlin as those of australians working in bars it must be the same as london why not yeah why not indeed the, the australians like to travel i mean ultimately at the end of the day i think the the aim when you're naming your kid is just not to, to burden them with something that they're, they're going to have to spend their entire life uh, dealing with in it in germany there's laws about what you can and can't name your kids it's limited i think uh the name choice could adversely affect the well-being of the child uh like bam bam you got to wonder how if that doesn't adversely affect the the uh, the well-being of your child like a lot of those i think would be exposed to ridicule but if you're in a class where you've got one fanta one gold one hippolyte one kitman someone called rollo someone called golden and someone called bam bam who's making fun of whose names if you if you've got all those names <laughs> in your class like like if everyone's got a crazy name then no one's got a crazy name so maybe that's what berlin's doing maybe that's the plan is the parents of berlin are just like let's populate all the schools with at least 80 percent of the most random selection of names and then no one can ever get bullied because there'll just be an army of uh, there'll be an army of rebels or golos who will defend each other this I, I hadn't even considered it the whole time i've been researching this that this might be a strategy to improve bullying in in the city of berlin and i yeah. think it's wonderful i hope that's where it came from yeah uh, yeah it's yeah you're absolutely right there are some pretty weird names but if it's all weird then I mean, you you could cares? have a reverse. You could have the reverse effect that um, all the kids with the the new exciting names are making fun of the guy called uh, Dietrich or Jürgen. <laughs> <laughs> German COVID vaccine officials forced to guess people's ages from names. Uh, it's an article from the Guardian. Uh, so obviously, we're still on the topic of names, but here it is more of a data protection issue. Uh, so this is taking place primarily here in this article in the state of Lower Saxony, um, where officials claim that there have been sort of legal blocks uh, to getting access to what would normally be like a voter registration document uh, or just the registration of who lives where. Because, of course, in Germany, you have to register at the Einwohnermeldeamt when you move. And so there is a government record of who lives where and how old you are, etc., that these lists have been protected to the point now where officials in Lower Saxony are going through the Deutsche Post, like the, the post office, their data logs, which aren't complete and do not include date of birth for everyone. But this is the list they're using, and they're having to identify the age of the individual in some cases by the name they have. Uh, so if you are called Fritz or Adele, there is a good chance that you could be invited for a vaccination even though you are not over 80 uh, whereas if you are uh, peters or brigitters then you have an increased chance uh, of 
getting ahead in the line of vaccination. So, I mean, Nick, what do you think of this? Huh. Well, there's a couple of things I need to I need to go into in this. I might go in a bit harder than you'd expect, but okay, first things first, right? I hate it. I hate it with a passion when British when British newspapers write articles with titles like German COVID vaccine officials mm-hmm. forced to guess people's names. It's not German officials. It's officials from one state in Germany. Lower like, Saxony. Yeah. Like, Lower Saxony is a state in Germany. It's not... Like, when you say that, it just... British people don't <laughs> un- necessarily understand how, how Germany is 16 countries. Like, the United States is, is 50 states, right? All those states have a different vibe, a different feeling, and there's different reasons for for chaos. So that's the first thing that gets me. The the other thing is, when I first moved here and heard about the data protection laws, I instantly, with my British mindset, thought, "Oh, that's ridiculous! Oh, you can't this. They're they're blocking uh, the ability to do certain things." And in this instance, this particular instance, it totally does. It, it's it's a it's a, a block on doing something that everyone wants we need the vaccine we want the vaccine distributed as quickly as possible um, and data protection around the country is causing problems for sure not necessarily the same problems but they are causing certain problems but it's this idea it fits into that idea of our oh, germany's overly bureaucratic our oh, germany is isn't very modern really and there is truth in that but like everything it's only part of the truth data protection also means that there's a lot more security like facebook isn't mining german voters data because you can't do that it's impossible when you look at a vote here when you look at elections one of the one of the i read an article during the state elections a few years ago that basically said because of data protection it means the rfd is does not have access and rfd for listeners if you don't know is the right wing uh, party in in the German Bundestag, and they aren't mm. able to access data in the way that say uh, vote vote leave or uh, Brexit party or UKIP or the Republican Party and their various various hangers on could access data for voters. So there is actually a good reason why data protection exists. Just is this an ex- more of an example of Germany not adapting to the situation or being unable to adapt to the situation because it's it is slow moving, so there is some criticism to be had. That caveat aside, this is fucking insane, right? It it is totally insane. I mean, you mentioned all the different states, and of course that's a big issue that you do have the federal government and then the the state local legislature. But apparently, the official records aren't just stored by that amount of states. It's actually five thousand two hundred and eighty three local authorities that store these. And so that is a a massive number to try and coordinate. Really, this is just a case of legislation not up to date with the current situation. And of course, that can be understood. COVID is a very, very new thing. I mean, it's a year old, but still very, very new. Because state officials have access to these databases for a multitude of of purposes. Uh, So, for example, they can get access to identify if a child is of school age, because you have to send your children to school in Germany. Uh, so the government has to be able to identify that. It's also possible to use it uh, to collect TV license fees as well. So, I mean, this isn't some, like, grandiose level of, like, personal intrusion. Um, this is used to, to demand money from people as well. Uh, so hopefully the courts can sort of expedite some updated COVID legislation that will allow people to work around this. But, of course, we have a solution here with Baden-Württemberg who 
are being forced uh, to a certain degree to use the post office records, but they've also decided unilaterally to contact all households with relevant information. Uh, so they aren't able to tailor information in the same way. But the fact of the matter remains that if you are registered, if you live at a property, if you're not homeless, you are going to get the information you require if you live in Baden-Württemberg. Uh, so there is there are ways around this bureaucracy, but it is, yeah, it's, it's really disheartening to imagine that there are civil servants today in Germany looking through lists saying, oh, what do you think? Do you think, do you think they're over 80 with a name like this? That's a pretty old school name. Um, it really doesn't seem particularly professional. Yeah, but, but at the same time, I mean, that, that, that last bit points out what I'm saying is that different states have different ways of doing things, have different laws. We have a local administration, state administration that, that, that votes on different regulations f for, for multiple different things. And, and what is okay in one state isn't in others. So, so the city of Ulm is a good example where you have, the city is actually split between the old part and the new part. And there's a bridge that connects the two, except the border between Bavaria and Baden-Württemberg is on that bridge. So, uh, in, I, th mm. I can't remember which state it is. One in one on one side, the bars close close early, but if you cross the bridge, you can still have a beer till like one o'clock or something. Yeah, yeah. So you have that. There is like weird things that happen in that way. But I think for me, yeah, okay. I think there's going to be a lot of news reports in the next few weeks. And I saw a tweet today that said people are eventually going to be amazed that Italy is. Uh, vaccinated its population faster than Germany, and I'm like, right, yeah, that's that's true. Um, and as he pointed out in the in this tweet, the um, Italian government is less restrained, has less bureaucracy. But I think the fine line, the fine line that's being walked in Germany is, we're trying to do something that is 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 not been done in a hundred years. Uh, we're trying to vaccinate the entire population, at least seventy percent of the population. We're trying to combat disinformation, and we're also trying to remain and keep the norms that exist that protect us. And I think, like, I, the criticism for for uh, is is all well and good, but I think, again, if we can get out of this process without wrecking the the system that we've already built where there are protections for the individual there is data protection um yeah. i like the fact that i don't get unsolicited phone calls on my mobile because someone's got my mobile number and they've got a massive directory of numbers i like the fact it isn't really easy to get my credit card data i like those things and i want those things to stay because they're protections and yeah it is bureaucratic and yeah it is sometimes a real pain in the ass but ultimately that's what they're trying to do it's why it's a real difficult situation they're trying to negotiate between 16 states all with different administrations all with different situations with cases of covid while trying to maintain the norms that of of that i really think are important in germany it's not an easy task and i think like i said it's all well and good to criticize and i think it's important to be critical of, yeah. of any government doing anything especially something like vaccinating the population but there's limits like i think there's there is limits to that maybe i'm just too maybe i'm too german now i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that 40 percent is creeping up mate i can see it <laughs> fluctuates day to day <laughs> so just to sort of round this off i did I, I've, I've done so much research on names this week it's been i'm sort of bogged down by them now uh, so we've got some of the top baby names in the 1930s 
Uh, so these are people now who should be prioritized uh, by these uh, states. So in first place, we have Helga and Hans for, for girls and boys, uh, mm-hmm. Ursula and Gunther, Ingrid mm-hmm. and Horst, Gisela and Klaus, Krista and Karl, Inga mm-hmm. and Werner, uh, Renata and Peter, Karen and Heinz, Erika mm-hmm. and Gerhard, and in 10th place, we have Gerda and Jürgen. So if Jürgen Klopp was still living in Germany, his odds would be improved with that name. So yeah, the fashion for old names is is, is coming back. You do. I've met a few uh, people in their twenties who are students or work, work experience in, in in companies that I work in, and and they have names like I've met plenty of uh, Renatas who are in their twenties. I know at least one Ingrid, and I do know two Horsts. So and these are ki- these are just kids straight out of university. Wow. Yeah. So I mean it's 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 a funny it's it shows it shows why it's such a stupid idea to try and predict someone's age by their name. <laughs> it is just stupid, you're right. Gefährliche Flughafen, immer wieder Stromschläge and beat by air. Uh, so this is an article from the Berliner Zeitung, and of course BIR is the airport code uh, for the Flughafen Berlin-Brandenburg, Willy Brandt uh, Flughafen. So this is the new, uh, much-delayed uh, Berlin-Brandenburg airport. Uh, and yeah, this is focusing on the issue being faced by luggage handlers uh, at the airport. And so far, there have been around 60 cases uh, recorded of workers being hurt uh, or electrocuted uh, in the new Terminal 1 building whilst dealing with luggage. It's also affected a couple of passengers as well. Obviously, travelling is complicated these days, but the last thing I want added to that is the threat of electrocution whilst I'm collecting my luggage. So, Nick, you fancy flying to Berlin? <laughs> Mate, I'd rather walk at this point. I'd probably be faster. <laughs> like, this is this is the national tragedy, right? It's It's... When people talk about about standards in Germany dropping, this is the, one of the first things they talk about. It is sort of seen as a national mm. embarrassment. And when you look at how much was spent on it. So do you know when Flughafen Berlin-Brandenburg was supposed to be opened? It was opened in 2020, 31st of October 2020. Do you know when it was projected to be opened? <sighs> I'm not sure how many years delay, but I know the delay is definitely measured in uh, numerous years. 2012 very close it was supposed to open in october 2011 they began construction in 2006 and it has been plagued with disasters ever since and it's truly a litany of failures on nearly every possible failure in a building project has affected this but yeah i don't think i'm going to be passing through that airport anytime soon Give me Frankfurt any day. <laughs> uh, Frankfurt is a, is a pretty pretty well-organized airport. But I mean, yeah, this kind of delay. Building started in 2006, but that was really just the beginning of it all. The, the man who designed it originally is a man called Meinhard von Gerkan, which would really fit into our old school names. The designs had to be redrawn with twice the capacity so they could add airport shopping. Uh, so even something as simple as airport shopping was <laughs> an oversight at the start. And then the company that started building it went bankrupt. So that's just a massive disaster. Uh, There were problems with the safety equipment. So sprinklers, fire doors and cabling um, were all massively, massively mismanaged. If there's one thing you need in a new building, it's a sprinkler system that doesn't work. 
so apparently 90,000 meters of cables were incorrectly installed. 4,000 doors were incorrectly numbered. Uh, several escalators were too short. And there still yeah. aren't enough check-in desks. There was a corruption scandal. Uh, and a whistleblower. Uh, and this whistleblower became ill after his coffee was poisoned so it's there's a movie there are multiple movies in this um and then once they started building this thing it became apparent that the increase in number of flights going to berlin meant that it wouldn't be big enough by the time it opened <laughs> i remember i remember five years ago <sighs> like consoling a group of a group of physicists that I was training that Really, it, a lot of countries have these problems. Um, and my example was the Scottish Parliament building that took uh, went over budget. Um, and Wembley Stadium was another example of something that went over budget. I don't even think those would even be a drop in the ocean comp- compared to the, the 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 list of insane occurrences that are, that have happened for with this airport. Uh, and you can understand totally why Germans must feel like shocked, upset, annoyed that this what is meant to be a centerpiece of their infrastructure is yeah, it's just a failure. The, one of the craziest things I read about it, right, was was that this is this is back in 2010, right? So 10 10 years ago, a decade ago, Deutsche Flugsicherung uh, published the arrival and departure routes for for the airport optimistic <laughs> which significantly changed from the ones that had been printed earlier and this was this was because the, the the new plans had a flight path that deviated from the runway direction by 15 degrees uh, and now Jesus. aircraft aircrafts would now fly over areas in southern berlin at, to the surprise <laughs> of locals like you'd be a bit surprised like what's what why is my house rumbling oh is a plane flying overhead it just seems like so counter to what you like the image of Germany, and it's certainly counter to the image of Germany that it wants to project, which is capable, organised, and all of these other things. To have this situation where they've just got this disaster of uh, infrastructure build is, yeah, it's kind of shameful. There's a lot of overconfidence, and that's not something I generally associate with German. It's a lot more practical here, normally. But I mean, we have an example here: 750 display screens were switched on six years ago. Uh, in readiness for the opening and now they've been on for six years which is their life cycle so they have to be replaced and they've never actually displayed a flight information Um, hundreds of freshly planted trees had to be chopped down because they were the wrong type it's it's just the most brazen overconfidence and just sort of there has to be an investigation into what happened there has to be but there is a job there that I think is one of the best jobs to have if you are a bit antisocial because every day an empty train goes five miles uh, from the unfinished airport to stop the tracks from getting rusty so there is a driver driving an empty train five miles every day oh God, it just gets worse to, to erode rust it just gets worse every time you, you mention something it's just like oh here's another disaster uh i remember speaking to someone a while ago and they said they they believed fundamentally the problem was there wasn't a central project manager or there wasn't one company who was doing project mm-hmm. management and he and i believe he pointed out and again I, I don't have any information on this but his point was the window frames were designed by a different company that was fitting the windows and that kind that for me is insane that you don't have a connection point between these massive infrastructure projects like you need to be able to communicate mm. between these disparate groups okay 
if you're gonna if you don't want one company doing it you don't want to have a monopoly fair enough but you need like good project management and this just like it, the person who was responsible for the people or the, the group of people who were responsible for this should never work again but go and buy the claims of corruption maybe they don't need to i don't know but it, it's just it's just wild it's just a wild like example of of how how badly germany does when it comes to modern infrastructure like this this occasional blips of of good hope but a lot of the time it seems like there is no thought behind it or there is no long-term thinking which seems again counter to what you expect Mm. in germany i mean if it is corruption it's the greatest grift ever because it's coming at four billion euros over budget Uh, so if someone has managed to pocket four billion that's got to be the the greatest crime of all time is that taxpayers money yeah 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 it's it's it's, when you think of all the good you could do with four billion euros just for the city of berlin um it, it could fix a lot of problems it just makes you angry especially when you especially when you hear about the the issues they've had with computer systems teaching kids during the lockdown mm. and you're like maybe Indeed. like a fraction of that would have fixed your problems so i mean we're no experts here we live down in bavaria uh, and which is about 450 kilometers away from berlin uh, and about a thousand years away mentally <laughs> uh, there is a huge separation between our two places so yeah, it's it's kind of sad to see this happening and just being a massive waste of money. Uh, I'm sure there'll be more breaking news on this in the future. Uh, it's just opened up in the middle of COVID. Uh, so <laughs> they've at least got a, a really smooth teething period. <laughs> what I do like is um, that one of the major, uh, the major sort of changes in Nuremberg, they have a, an international airport. And one of the major changes they made was I, I, almost like as if, as if it was an insult to Berlin. They were like, we're going to um, update our airport. We're just going to change the name. So now it's the uh, Dürer Flughafen. Yeah, and it's Dura just like, Flughafen. that's how you... That's how you do it. Just just change the name. Don't start building like something that you can't finish. <laughs> this, is, this is a strong message. <laughs> Fucking 3,000 smoke detectors went missing. Fucking hell. Honestly. Oh, dear. Corona party in Franken. Gäste fliehen Dirk's Fenster. Okay, so this is an uh, this is an article from uh, nordbayern.de, and it tells a sadly quite common story of a police calling in on a disturbance in an apartment building in Kitzingen on Saturday night. Uh, the officers knocked on the door, and it turned out they, there was a, a raucous party going on inside, uh, and uh, some of the party guests, in their infinite wisdom, decided to escape the police by jumping out the window. So um, this is around about one o'clock in the morning. And considering everyone knows you're not meant to be having parties, the idea that they were having a raucous party either suggests that these are uh, the most brazen people or they're morons, or possibly both. They're moronic, brave people. I couldn't possibly say. I'd definitely go towards the latter. The police eventually had to force the door where they found that there was two people in the apartment uh, along with the owners of the apartment. And a little while later, they found two people walking through the countryside with no shoes on. Whether they had house shoes on, I don't know. 
Whether they were wearing slippers like a good German, I have no idea. And ultimately, what was discovered was that the there were eight persons from seven different households that could be identified, and uh, these were uh, men and women aged between 20 and 23. So, Simon, what should we do with people having raging parties during the uh, lockdown? It's the height of dickishness. I, I'm so utterly sick of this kind of behaviour. The fact that it was so loud that it became an issue for your neighbours, doing it at one in the morning, like, there are ways that you could get together with your friends, still break COVID rules, still see each other and not be complete antisocial wankers about it. Um, but, I mean, there is a part of me that just, I also kind of love this story because until I came to Germany, until I started living in Germany, I'd never been to a party where I took my shoes off. Uh, and now this is something that is relatively standard behaviour. The Germans have a real foot, uh, a fetish uh, when it comes to house shoes, uh, slippers. And it's something that I never really wanted to be particularly involved in. My wife works for a, a major German sports manufacturer. Uh, and I have, over the years, acquired a really handsome collection of shoes. Uh, and if I'm not going to wear them, they're just going to sit in our, in our cupboards. Uh, so I've always thought, yeah, why not just wear a nice pair of trainers at home and then you get to experience them. It doesn't have to be outside. I have now pretty much been forced into it uh, where for Christmas this year my wife got me a really dope pair of North Face slippers. Oh, I've seen them. They are they are epic. They are epic. They did catch your yeah. eye immediately when you saw them. It was the first thing you said to me. Uh, where did you get them? Uh, so that they are dope. Uh, I am very happy with them. Good job, babes. And now I'm a convert. Uh, I haven't worn sneakers apart from to leave the house but now i do have guilt about this collection of shoes that are not being worn <laughs> give them to me anymore i'm j- I, I i've tried you 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 put your nose up at a pair of Reeboks i offered you last year so we'll see like a size nine come Christmas. on <laughs> there was size there was they, size. They, were, they were plenty big enough <laughs> um but I, I love the idea that this is how the police caught them like people walking in their socks yeah. through the woods or whatever there's no escaping yeah i, I still don't have any house shoes and what, what does your wife think about this does, does she hate the fact oh she hates it the only the only compromise I make is when I go over to her parents' house and they have, everyone has their own set of house shoes. And when I got mine, it was like, <laughs> I've been accepted into the family. So I do wear them there, but I've, I don't like slippers. I like to walk around in my socks and I don't care um, if they get holes in them because I just find it, mm-hmm. I find it like in my perfect world, I just walk around with no socks on and it doesn't matter how cold it is because un- unlike, I don't know whether the genetics in Germany are different from the genetics in Britain, but I've never caught a cold from not wearing any shoes and I don't think I will ever catch a cold from not wearing any shoes. The amount of times my wife has come into the kitchen and seen me making a cup of tea and she's like, you haven't got any, you haven't got any shoes on. It's like, I'm in here for 30 seconds to put the kettle on. 30 seconds at the end to take care of it I'm going to be fine um, but as you say this is a, a a weird thing I saw an interesting comment on Twitter coming back to the inauguration uh, that every German must be losing their mind that all the people in the audience aren't wearing scarves uh, <laughs> it was cold it was snowing <laughs> if it was in Germany everyone would be in scarves <laughs> yeah totally there would be there would be a dearth of scarves in the in in in, in Washington if it was the case yeah I, I mean, yeah, okay, we can sort of make fun. I don't know what it is. I think part of it is um, a lot of the house shoes you see are your yeah, atypical sandals. It's where the socks and sandals thing comes from because people go on holiday, Germans go on holiday and they take their house shoes with them. And so you'll see, like, you'll regularly see socks and sandals because the sandal is usually the house shoe. Um, so part of me is almost genetically 
predisposed to not wearing sandals with socks because I was exposed to such negative stereotypes about that idea for the 27 years I lived in the UK. Um, so that. The other part of it is I, I do have this issue with authority. So whenever someone tells me something, I'm more than <laughs> likely to do exactly the opposite. And it's almost like I can't control it. My instinct is always to go like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Which makes my life a pain in the ass, but it's my life. I'll do what I want. It it, it shows how Brexit happened because that's how we <laughs> yeah. all are. Oh God, I've learned something about myself, and I don't like it. I don't know. It's maybe like it's one of those weird. The more I live here, the more I adapt to living in Germany over the years. It's the one thing. It's like the holdout. It's the last bit of Britishness that's going like, nope. I'll do this, but you can fuck off with that. <laughs> yeah, I'll do. I'll I'll do your B Eins language test. I'll do your citizenship test, but don't you don't you try and put me in some house shoes. Yeah, so it's it's one of those funny things that I've never I've just never going to adopt. Like I know I can say with absolute confidence. And you know, I found a solution to the problem of of, of slippers. Right in lockdown, I just started buying funny socks like ridiculous colors i've got i've got a pair of autobahn socks coming uh, yeah it's the wicked craft work uh, autobahn socks they're fantastic right bright blue autobahn sign it's amazing right i've got i've got socks with like various different foods on it i've got a pair with tacos on it my daughter loves them she can't stop staring at my feet she thinks they're hilarious um so that could, it's just it's just encouraging me to do more but what it does mean is when i take off and when i am forced to wear house shoes or when i have to take my shoes off there's something interesting underneath there's something exciting keeps people entertained i mean <laughs> i i couldn't be more different i think i have two pairs of gray socks two pairs of white socks and then about 25 pairs of black socks with a sports brand on them and that's what i'm gonna do for the rest of my life colored socks for me i don't want to be harsh on you buddy i love you but it always seemed like the domain of someone with no personality to have to like buy socks oh no it's (laughs) it's exactly that I've outsourced I've outsourced all my personality to my socks. Like I have no personality now. All my personality is in my socks. And so when you talk to us, I'll just be like like a, a neutral uh, grey sort of like yes, the weather is acceptable and then it, and on my feet it's like party city. So like I totally but I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what people think. I'm gonna wear taco socks if, well, you, I think if this it kills is the, me. The first of the polls <laughs> that we have to release is what socks should Nick be wearing for the next recording? Oh, okay, I'd be interested to see what uh, what what comes back from that. Uh, they're all going to tell me house shoes, aren't they? <laughs> like, that's what. So last, so basically, last week you tried to get a bakery to 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 sponsor us so I can <laughs> get a tattoo. This week you're going to try and uh, make a poll for what. I don't want to know what's going to happen next week. Honestly, if this all ends with with saunas, I'm gonna I'm gonna murder you. That's 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 the truth. If this all ends with me joining joining a nudist society, I'm not gonna be a happy would, man. I think that's the only logical conclusion. Episode 100, Nick joins the F car car on top of Busen Mountain uh, near Busendorf. She's uh, gonna come back full cycle. No, nope, no. Nope. As confident as I am about we're not wearing house shoes, I'm confident at no point. Oh God, it's gonna happen, isn't it? I can just see it. <laughs> I can just see it now. I mean, we we oh. are we are at the very beginning of this journey, but if there is a day where sponsors are gonna throw money at us, like I think we're both we're both gonna sell ourselves out pretty quickly. <laughs> no, no, I'm not gonna sell myself out. You're gonna sell me out, and then then you're gonna reap the reap the rewards. Yeah, I oh. should just use the us form. We're gonna sell each other out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, because I'm a decent person, and you you apparently are some uh, hor- horrendous money grubbing bastards. <laughs> I think that's how all good partnerships are. I think. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. So, thank you for listening to Decades From Home. This, again, has become a ritual of the podcast where I go on bended knee and thank you for for listening to us. Uh, we really do appreciate it. As ever, the more feedback, the better. We've been discussing different things that we can do. Uh, one of those things is uh, releasing a poll uh, weekly to talk about content. So look forward to that. Uh, if you want to find it, you will find it. Uh, on Simon's Twitter at Decades From Home. If you have any questions or you have any anything interesting, any comments, you can get him there. You can get me at 40% German. The website is 40%german.com where um, we have weekly articles going up. Again, we're hoping to have some pretty exciting guest posts over the next few months. So look out for those. And uh, finally, all that's left to say is, yeah, thanks again for joining us and we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.